This episode of The Sounding Board with Gary V is part of our winter interview series, all thanks to McCafe. Win free McCafe coffee for a year on the My Maccas app. 25 winners every day. Ends 29th of August 2023. And Perla t-shirts. Head to getperla.com.au. This is The Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Special sounding board for Drink Wise. If you choose to drink, choose to drink wise. This is our interview series this winter, our McCafe interview series. We'll set a challenge and a big charity donation as part of this, which we'll get to a little bit later on for McCafe. But we'll set the challenge of the world's best digital marketer, someone that's been a big inspiration for me, Damo. And it's with great pleasure that we welcome from New York City, from Media, Gary Vaynerchuk, who is joining us on the line from New York. Gary V, welcome to the sounding board. I am so thrilled to be on the sounding board. Thank you, men. Uh, excited to be here. Now, you've just returned from a very quick trip to Australia, which we know from your socials was spent mostly in the air rather than on the, in the country, called the Mindset Matters Tour. Uh, despite the fact that it was a, a hellfire trip and you had sellout crowds in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane, how did you find the mindset of the Australian community while you were here? You no, know, for the people listening, I grew up in the wine business and uh, in the late 90s, I was actually one of the biggest wine buyers of premium Australian wine in America. There was an importer by the name of Dan Phillips who was bringing in some really neat wines like Burge Family and you know Duck Muck and all these cool wines that became icon- the Australian super premium wine market in 1997 to 2002 was red hot in the US. So I've spent an obnoxious amount of time in Australia by most American standards. This was probably my 11th or 12th trip to Australia. Um, so I've always been a fan of the mindset. Um, you know, obviously there's a, you know, the, the language is the same. The, there's the spirit. You know, I'm obviously we're generalizing here, but the overall spirit of the Australian hits me well. I kind of like it, and I mean all parts of it, right? From Brizzy to someone in the middle of Hunter Valley to Sydney, the, the, all the different demos, all the different you know, sectors of Aussie life has always struck me well. And so it's weird. I genuinely felt like a warmth, like coming home kind of. I almost feel like when I went on this trip, it was like, I didn't go to summer camp as a kid. <laughs> but like, you know how you have like that place you go to consistently? Maybe it's the Jet Stadium, you know, but I, I can't compare it because that's my favorite place. But it definitely felt very warm. It felt like comfortable. It felt normal. It felt familiar. I had a great trip. The only sucky part was I was on the ground for 55 hours and was in Brizzy, Melbourne and Sydney. So it was a lot of traveling, very little sleep, great crowds, lots of fun chatter, marketing business um, perspective, which is another word for mindset. I enjoyed it a lot. We're going to talk some digital. We're going to talk some media. We're going to talk some sport and business. But you mentioned wine there. Just before you move off wine, you began your journey in wine long ago as a, in, with your dad, of course, and your family. And became an online wine sensation as a business owner before you went on to have 10 million Instagram followers and 15 million TikTok and 3 million Twitter. And we'll talk about those investments soon. But um, the Australian wine business has had not the same journey since. It's big export business for our country, but it's perceived to be quite cheap in the States when you buy a bottle of Australian wine. Now you talked about premium. We've got challenges in China. If we, if we could give you one job, could you fix the way that wine is, is represented? Our, our wines are magnificent but they're not marketed in the way in the States that they could or should be. How would you fix that? By the same thing I've been yelling about in overall marketing. Yeah. It's time for us to have a real conversation, which is 
nobody's as excited about a television commercial in 1977 and 84 as me. I think it was exactly right. I think it was underpriced attention, as expensive it as was. People were consuming an obnoxious amount of television commercials. There was no internet. There weren't that many channels. It was a very obvious medium. I think that when I look at how the Australian wines are marketed in the US that are the biggest brands or the overall concept of Australian wines, um, I just don't think it's contemporary enough. I mean, you know, it's it's not super complicated. You can go to TikTok and Instagram right now, search what Penfolds, search what, you know, all the top brands from the area are doing, Jacobs Creek and all these great iconic brands, including high-end wines that I just talked about um, from, you know, Margaret River, all these wonderful wines. And I just don't think they've made a commitment to Content. social media. Yep. Yeah, to social media. Like, let's call a spade a spade. Like, it's time to get over ourselves. Social media is a very, very massive, changing the world platform, and the advertising industry continues to spit on it because it wants to be an eco chamber and talk about its own stuff within itself. But the consumer doesn't care about a can lion. The consumer doesn't care about ad age. The consumer cares about did they see it? Did it was it compelling what they saw to make them try it or buy it? And um, I just think that we're being ideological, and I think Australian wines fall into that category. On that, do you think TV, traditional TV, is dead? No, I don't think it's dead. You just think it's I, it's its role in the room has changed and its price is wrong, yeah? Yeah, I, I struggle with the overall prices globally. I think it's overpriced. I think that it's a tough medium. I think it's hard to make an interesting 30-second video that runs on a telly. I think the inventory is expensive. I think the agencies that charge money to just think and make decks are expensive. And I think production companies that make 30 second video game videos are expensive. And so, yeah, I think the medium is challenged. Gary, with all these forward projection views you've always had and, and embraced and, and been the trailblazer of, what out of the old school media and old, out of old school ways would you see as a way of the future as well, as, as a key part of whatever it is you are thinking about right now? What are some of the old school stuff that I do like? Well, ironically, look, I actually think television, the new stuff, right? The connected TV, the OTT, where it's giving you better targetability and you can buy it more. Like I actually am, like I'm probably more excited about buying television today globally. Like let's use Australia sevens, right? Like some of the OTT stuff and options they're gonna have is exciting to me more than it's, you know, network stuff. So I do think specific TV could get interesting but I do think creative and production companies have to lower their fees or like find different ways to make it serviceable. I'm a very big fan of out of home in in certain scenarios when you can buy remnant outdoor billboards. You know, again, a great billboard on a meaningful highway in Australia might be $8,000 a month, but, in, but it might have a six month contract and they didn't sell to somebody else and it's sitting for two months and you can buy it for 1100 bucks. So remnant outdoor I'm obsessed with and I would say audio. I think there's some really good sneaky buys on drive time radio and podcasting and Spotify. So, you know, it's really funny. It's audio, images, and video. So I think some of those things, my friend, are, are exciting to me. Consumption-wise, what, what, what is, is the general person who just consumes media I'm going to be doing differently in five years' time? How will he or she be consuming most of the media? Five years time, you know, I think the phone will continue to eat up, you know, our time. I don't think the metaverse is here in five. I think it's gonna be a little bit more than that. I think it's looming. I'm intrigued by it, but it's not there. You know, I was looking at Friendster in MySpace and blogs 
in 2003, four, five, which has really led to my hypothesis in 2020, right? So I think long. Like, this is why I said TV's not dead, because things don't die, they just become potentially overpriced, right? You know, a print ad isn't dead, it's not like it's zero, but I don't think anyone's overwhelmingly excited to pay a fee for a full page ad in a newspaper today, yeah. the way like we, the three of us grew up, right? Yeah. I mean, I used to run an enormous amount of full page ads in the New York Times in the 90s and early 2000s. So now I wouldn't even, cons- I mean, you couldn't pay me to do that. <laughs> you know, <and> so- <laughs> Gary, you've got a long held ambition to be the owner of the New York Jets and you love the Jets as a team. They frustrate you like they have me over the years as a, <laughs> as a Jets fan originally too. Our business, Sports Entertainment Network, we, we own five teams. We're two and a half years into our journey of owning basketball and netball teams. I'm interested in your thoughts on team ownership. We're seeing media and team and uh, experience and sponsorship and content and the TikTok era all morph into one uh, ecosystem. Do you believe that sports teams globally are are on the right trajectory, are going to create content businesses of their own? What's your view? I know that the American market is is, is sky high and red hot, but in, in markets like Australia and other places, what would be your advice to a, a team ownership business? To storytell. Teams become valuable when people fall in love with players, right? So if you look at the history of sports across the world, whether it's cricket or rugby or AFL or NFL, NBA, Olympics, it's all superheroism, right? Like the Olympics were huge because Mary Lou Retton and Mark Spitz, these were like icons, right? Aussie had a bunch of swimmers in the 80s and 90s that caught the country's attention. Basketball, Steph Curry's a little guy. So all the little guys like myself dream like, oh my God, I can play. Like you need someone to look up to, right? Yep. And so Michael Jordan, Steph Curry, and LeBron James are more like Superman and Batman and Spider-Man than they are the normal person. And that's what the NBA's done well. That's what Vince McMahon did well in, in wrestling. Yep. That's not even a real quote unquote sport, but they superheroed them. Um, that's what boxing was. That's what Muhammad Ali meant to boxing. That's what Mike Tyson meant to boxing. So if I own a team, I'm trying to make them a superhero. I own a pickleball team in the US in the pickleball league that's taken off. And we had a 15 year old turning 16 year old player and she was the best player in the league. And all of our strategy was making her a superhero. And so I think superhero is the, is the name of the game in sports. And so if you own a team, if you're lucky enough to have someone who you can potentially market, Joe Namath, ironically, the Jets quarterback, was one of the earliest marketed football players as a sex symbol, Broadway Joe. Yep. You know, he took a picture in Broadway when he first got to New York and that stuck and he wore a fur coat and he was like the, he was a rock star. He was like yeah. the Beatles, the Rolling Stones. And then he won a Super Bowl in, in the biggest city in the world. And I mean, here, I mean, I'm literally saying his name 50 years later. Think about that. So. You know, the elements are out there, and those are the things I would think about. And Gary, when I hear you say that, and, and then factor in that the Jets have now gone out and got Aaron Rodgers in as quarterback, and you see in recent times the soccer team Miami has brought in Lionel Messi. We see that in American sports, and, and we get what American sports do with the superhero. I feel there's a trend in Australia whereby each person on a team is supposedly meant to be an equal and no more important than the next person. And I feel we've got rid of the superhero. Would you urge against that view and, and to reintroduce the, the superhero? Yeah, it's tricky. I think you, the coach and the, and the people that run the team can't do that because you do want the team dynamics, but the owners and the marketing side need to really understand. I mean, that's where baseball lost its way in America. 
the culture of baseball was like very like old school, a young dynamic player would come along with charisma and the old players in the dugout go, would tone him down. Bryce Harper should be famous and he's not to the level he could have been because the 38 year old catcher, when he like did something dynamic and he made the fans happy, when he came in, he's like, you never do that again, kid. And eventually the system and the sport wears you down. You know, so I think it's, I think it's, you know, it's a tricky fine line. You know, I, I do think that if it comes down to the player, right? Like if a superstar on a team isn't capable of having humility and bringing his team along, then he or she becomes a big problem and then you got a problem. But I do think the sport needs to realize it's about storytelling. Damo mentioned those two names there, Aaron Rodgers and, and Messi. Both have made big media moves uh, through their choice or otherwise. Messi's deal, we've never seen tangled up in a media deal like it. The Apple and the distribution and the share of revenue and venue. And then Rodgers and Hard Knocks. So I'm interested in both of you on both of those deals. And is this a well, sign, of the, sign of the time? Messi's a lot better than Aaron's. Yep. Um, <laughs> he may obviously got a lot of, you know, upside. You know, the NFL's got pretty strong, you know, uh, contracts between players and owners. You know, look, I mean, I think media rules the world. Like, it's why when there's a coup in a country, they go after the radio station, the, they go after the television station and the printing press uh, and the paper. And obviously it's changed in the internet world, but when you see unrest in certain countries in, around the world, you know, the government literally shuts down the internet. I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're talking about media ruling how people think and so, you know, what do I think about it? I think it makes a ton of sense and it's how brands are built and it's how the world works and it's how people get interested in things and fall in love with people like a Martin Luther King or a Gandhi or or a philosopher. It's just, I, I don't even, it's, it's what I've always known that the media and communication and the ability to communicate and understand dictates everything. And, and again, to put a final cherry, cause I have to run, I apologize because I, I know this audience, like you have to realize what's happening in media, which is like the world's changing. And if you hold on to the past, you get past. You know, a lot of people get, have feelings about the things I talk about in the industry, right? My last question, I know you have to go. You're an early investor in Twitter, which is now X. You're an early investor in Uber. You've spotted some of these great uh, trends in digital. Are you a buyer of Elon's strategy turning to X? How do you feel about it as someone supported that platform for a long time and benefited from it? I'm a buyer of going for it. People forget that Twitter looked exactly the same for 13 years. I'm a buyer of going for it. I have no idea if we'll put it off, but going for a super app that isn't just Twitter and factoring in everything else makes a lot of sense to me. Why would you not want to grow? You think he's, but cap it's hard. he's capable of doing it and will the market support him? You've, you've obviously swum against the stream yourself and made incredible wealth for yourself out of the ad market despite its traditional legacy challenges. He's uh, an even more of a black hat day one with the ad market who he has to win over to justify the investment. How does he swing that and can he do it? Merit. If consumers' attention is on his app, everybody canceled Mark Zuckerberg too four years ago and they're all running plenty of ads. Like brands are hypocrites. I like it. You think the audience stays, just, the brands will come. Brands are hypocrites and that's okay. I don't judge brands on that. It's very like, I love that brands are trying to take a stance. There's a problem with that. It's not a sustainable strategy. Love hearing that. It's Gary, just as we wrap it up, because you'll wrap it up in a minute, but um, I've, I've never seen this man next to me who's normally composed and and, and is all um, encompassing with how he controls himself. He's been a nervous wreck today preparing for this. <laughs> and even to the point where he was even early, earlier than I was today for this. So you've had this effect on him for a long time and I've now seen it physically. 
people ask me why I have so much energy, it's based on what you just, do you know what that feels like? It's so humbling. Like, I know I have big convictions and I talk, like, I know the passion I speak with, which I know can be misinterpreted as bravado or ego, I get it. Like, I know how I communicate, but man, I have really good intent. And I think there are a lot of people out there, the reason so many people do, like, feel that way is I think the ones that spend time and kind of can get past the jersey of my communication style, which is hard, you know, because I, I want everybody to hear, but I also don't want to be not authentic. This is how I talk. These are the things I believe in. And look, I do get passion out of seeing opportunities in traditional businesses like the wine business and the ad business. And I do think I end up being historically correct because I'm willing to make less money in the upfront to be right in the long term. The current CEO of X, Linda, is incredible. but. The truth is, six months ago, she's saying the television ads are the best because she's at NBC. <laughs> and now, she's saying, she, now she's saying Twitter ads are the best. <laughs> and I find that to be amusing. I don't judge that. I get it. She's got a job to do. But what I enjoy is saying what I actually believe. Well, you've always led with, uh, and you've talked about empathy and kindness and more recently candor, uh, which I, I um, admire and it's not easy to replicate, but you've done something really good today. You might not be aware of this, but our, one of our partners, McDonald's, around the world, um, challenged us as part of our McCafe interview series to get you on, Gary V, and they would work with us to donate $10,000 to Ronald McDonald House, which goes towards the amazing kids in Victoria who are displaced from regional homes and their place to stay in the city at Monash and Parkville. So $10,000, which is so many rooms a year. So spending a little bit of time with us today. We've been able to work with McDonald's to create that outcome. And we want to thank you for your time and for doing that for the kids here in Australia and for your recent visit as well, which was magnificent. You know, I go with intuition a lot. I wanted to do this one and for you to end it. I've never had something like this just happen. Thank you. I've, I've always admired what they've done with the Ronald McDonald House. And so to think I can go to the grave and know I had a tiny, tiny 0. 0.00001 impact on what just went down. Thank you. Thank you, men. Continued success. And I hope you're well. Thanks to Gary V. Thanks for joining us today. And good luck with the New York Jets in the season ahead. We hope they can finally turn around with Bye. Aaron Rodgers. Gary V joining us on The Sounding Board. Thanks for listening to The Sounding Board and our winter interview series. It's all thanks to McCafe. Win free McCafe coffee for a year on the My Macca's app. 25 winners every day. Ends 29th of August 2023. And Perla t-shirts. Head to getperla.com.au. Hey, Damo, want to win a year of free barista-made coffee? Hachi, that's a lot of lattes. It sure is, Damo. Now, all you have to do is just buy any eligible McCafe coffee on the My Macca's app for your chance to win. How good would a year of free barista-made coffee be? That sounds very good to me. Well, there's only 25 winners every day, but hurry, limited time only. It ends the 29th of August. Visit mcdonalds.com.au forward slash coffee comp. That's mcdonalds.com.au forward slash coffee comp for full details. So, Damo, that was Gary V. What did you think? Well, as I said to Gary V, Hutchie, I've never seen you as nervous. You, you were that little kid that was uh, very excited about what you were about to do. I've never seen you early for these chats that we have, <laughs> and you rolled up a, a lot earlier than I did today for this one. And No, I, I get it. I mean, you, you had pumped this up, and I had condescendingly said to you I never heard of him. I had heard of him. I didn't know what he was about. I did do a little bit of research before that quick chat we had, and I get it. I, I could have spoken. Now, I hope this is reflected in our listeners listening to it. And, and watching it, but I could have spoken in for another two hours. It was fantastic to thanks to McDonald's for making that possible and uh, to work with the team there for Ronald McDonald House to create a ten thousand dollar 
donation is sensational. It's and he loved caught, that too. Caused, that. Yeah, he did cause close to our heart, as you know, here as a business, and we've raised over $100,000 from the cafe. your first charity from memory when I first got to know you well in a business sense? It's an amazing charity led by some wonderful people who do some great things for parents. And also, want to, just a quick nod to our... We've got a mutual mate, Gary and I, uh, who's a big listener of ours, Richard Oppie. Yep, I know Oppie. Who lives in New York. He's one of the best marketers himself at, in, in the Budweiser and Bud Light system. He was the CMO here of Carlton United Breweries. And Oppie was on a panel with Gary V in Cannes only two or three weeks ago representing Australia as a marketer. So we're proud of him and what a job he's doing as a, as a great marketer around the world. And uh, they've become good mates. So we had a you know, okay. mutual connection. And uh, yeah, it was very cool to have him on. Yeah. I'm, I'm what did you take out of it? Yeah, I'm keen to explore some of the angles that, that actually Gary volunteered as much as we asked about. And, and the, the superhero in the in the sporting context is something I think we've been talking about since um, episode one of you know this show back eight years ago. I want to explore that because lining up what he said with what I'm witnessing on a weekly basis and even a daily basis in the, the dumbing down and the equalising of, of personality and profile in Australian sport, particularly the AFL system, it might be reaching worrying stages. Given we've just come out of this FIFA Women's World Cup where the biggest name in the sport is Australian yep. and lit it up, including in the semi-final, which Australia lost to England. But the goal that Sam Kerr kicked... There was no higher moment we've had for so long in this in a sporting context in this country, and then you go back to AFL world the very next day, and you know we're all about team, we're all about equals, yep. and, and and Dusty Martin's only equal, as equal as uh, as Dylan Grimes, and and that's that's not the way the American system works. Yeah, I think AFL lacks genuine stars with superhero identity. I don't think it lacks it. I just think it allows it, it, it hasn't allowed that person to be that person. And. You talked about Sam Kerr there for a minute, and that was running through my mind listening to Gary. So the story arc of Sam Kerr, really, if you think about it, superstar player who is the face of the team and who, in many respects, people came to connect to Sam Kerr rather than the Matildas originally. Yep. She introduces her teammates yep. like they are members of the band. Yeah. This is Bruce Springsteen and the yep. E Street Band. Yep. Then Sam Kerr's teammates get better known Sam gets injured and leaves the stage. We fall in love with the team mm. of which she's in part introduced many to. But we and then, then the story arc, we go back. We go back to the semi-final and we need a moment and we, and we get it and from Sam Kerr. Hasn't scored in the tournament, has barely played. And then the what about me, don't forget me, how about this? Mm. It was just a beautiful, I know the loss was the, the asterisk, but it was the beautiful story arc of that moment of, Hmm. Hey, this is what this is why we came here. Don't yeah. forget, yeah. it was just magnificent. But but don't again, even in that all of that story, don't forget the superhero element to, to it. Yep, and 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 the winning element too, which obviously Gary, um, as a long suffering New York Jets fan, would yep. would well know. Well, and he will he will buy the team one day. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Uh, we'll talk more about that next week on the Sounding Board. Don't forget, Damos Dish sort of Carmen questions of the week this week. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo for DrinkWise. Make sure you find us on Facebook and Twitter at Sounding Board EP. Hit the sign up button on Facebook to receive our weekly email and subscribe to, rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to The Sounding Board and our winter interview series. It's all thanks to McCafe. Win free McCafe coffee for a year on the MyMaccas app. 25 winners every day. Ends 29th of August 2023. And Perla t-shirts. Head to getperla.com.au.